Welcome to Mercola Healthy Pets Integrative Veterinary Medicine Awareness Week. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and as a part of our 10-year anniversary celebration, I'll be interviewing some pretty amazing colleagues who practice integrative and functional medicine. Starting this week, you can also nominate your vet or a local rescue or an inspiring individual in your community to be the recipient of our new Healthy Pets Game Changer Award. I hope that you'll tune in every day this week to be inspired and educated by passionate healers from around the world. And don't forget to nominate that special someone that you know that has gone above and beyond to help animals. Again, thank you so much for your support. I am Dr. Karen Becker, and this morning I'm really excited to bring you an integrative veterinarian from New Jersey, Alexia Chikiris. Did I pronounce that right? You did great, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me during my Integrative Veterinary Medicine Awareness Week. You're doing uh, amazing things on the East Coast, but back up and tell our readers and listeners a little bit about how you decided to become a veterinarian and then how, your, how the style of practice changed for you. Totally. So I grew up here in New Jersey and I was that kid. I always wanted to be a veterinarian. We were that family where my babysitter found a ferret in our front yard. And so we just took him in and he became ours. Um, and I went, I did my undergraduate at Rutgers at Cook College and through vet, through vet school, through college, I always wanted to be a vet. I wavered a little bit. I did think ironically or not ironically about plant science as a major because I wanted to go to the forest and find plants that could become medicines. And little did I know that I was going to use plants as medicines. Uh, I thought about nutrition, but ultimately I kept coming back to veterinary medicine. So I attended the Royal Vet College in London, which was an amazing experience. And then I came home and I honestly, vet school itself kind of burnt me out. I needed a few months. I worked in New York City with my mom. And then I got a job in small animal medicine, and then I moved to Connecticut to be with my now husband, and I worked in a big practice that had 24-hour care. And it was a great learning experience, but after a year, I just, I was done. And that coincided with me actually going to a conference out in California, visiting my little sister. And I sat in on a lecture on acupuncture and I was like, I've never heard of this. Let me sit down and listen. And I was sucked in. I didn't want a lunch break. It was like the most fascinating stuff I ever heard. And I went home and I started to get acupuncture and I signed up for the course and it, it changed my life in that just, I don't know, I'll get personal with however many people watch this. Doctors told me I was going to have a really hard time getting pregnant. And within months, I was pregnant with my first son. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I need to learn more about this type of medicine, right? Like beyond acupuncture, what else is there? Because if this is working, there has to be more out there. So I started to integrate acupuncture into my practice. But I think like many vets, I just, I, I have had two episodes of burnout where I was like, I can't work anymore. I just, I can't do this. I'm exhausted. I'm getting sick. Um, and so even though I was an integrative practitioner where I thought, okay, I should be taking care of myself better because I'm taking care of my patients better. 
I wasn't. And it, it took a few episodes of me burning out to really say, okay, I need to sit back and really examine what's going on. What kind of practice do I want to be in? Is my lifestyle working? Where am I putting my energy in my life? If I'm going to work and giving everything that I have to my patients and clients, and then I come home and I have nothing to give my kids, this isn't, this isn't working out. So it's really been a journey now of figuring out how I can fill my cup to then help others as well as learn as much as possible about everything else. And I think that this is such a common struggle, uh, Alexia, that within all, I think all practitioners deal with that. I think sometimes uh, as integrative practitioners, our rope could be a little bit longer because we have more options. But I also think that a lot of clients, once they realize the depth and breadth that integrative medicine can offer, I think sometimes we're, we have more pressures and more demands mm-hmm. than conventional doctors because there are fewer of us and because yeah. of that, more people wanting um, our opinion. Yes. And I think that puts additional pressures on us. Have you been able to, to work through to the point where you have good balance? And, and if you have, um, ha- has your practice shifted are you, wherever you practice now, are you solo practitioner or, or are you in a conventional practice? Often? No, so we, we are exclusively holistic now. About four years ago, we opened a practice, a friend of, I, of mine and I, we opened a practice where we decided we are going to do what we are good at, right? Like I love my herbs, acupuncture, we do lasers, spinal. And because before this, I was practicing integrative medicine in conventional practices which was fantastic because I loved, I walked, I worked in two other practices before opening and I loved watching my bosses going from, I don't know what you're doing to, so tell me where I can go learn about acupuncture. So that like, that's amazing. Um, but I did find that there was a slight referral problem with other conventional vets in the area. So by opening our own practice where I'm able to do what I love doing and I'm good at, I can keep a fantastic relationship with all of the other conventional vets around me because they send me clients, be it for, you know, they're like, I don't know what else to do here. You have them or the dog has arthritis, but it's liver and kidney values are up. We don't want to use conventional NSAIDs, do your thing. Um, And I send them happily back to their vets. So it just, it creates a really nice relationship for all of us that I think makes them more open to what we are doing and how we're helping our patients together to create kind of like this best medicine approach. You know, that's fantastic. I, would you say that the vast majority of conventional vets in your area, you have a good working relationship with? For the most part, some of them have been like, they've been skeptical and they're not sure of what we do, but once they start to see results whether they are interested in fully knowing what we're doing or not, they don't care. As long as we're getting results, then they're happy to send people to us, which is amazing. That is, so you really have a lovely um, relationship with those around you, which is great. You're fostering good communication. You've got this nice system of, Mm -hmm. of, you probably have a network of referral specialists you can refer to, and in turn, they are referring back to you. So that's like best case scenario. It it truly, truly is. And I think part of it had to do with like, we put a lot of work into 
talking to the vets in our area before we opened up. Uh, both of us have practiced in, I was kind of a locum vet. It's like a permanent locum vet in practices. So just my vet friends who I met in other practices that also helped say, hey, like, I'm not going to steal your people. Send them yeah. over. I'll send them back. You get to see what I'm doing. And, and it's a lovely thing. It is beautiful. That's wonderful. Yeah. And your clients uh, that, that, let's say, are being referred in from conventional vets, what are you, how are you helping to empower them to, to foster a human-animal bond, to foster the relationship with their animals, for them to have a grasp of exactly what you're doing? Do you have a, do you have a process that you have kind of honed that allows you to best explain what you're doing and why you're doing it to clients that maybe don't, haven't had experience with integrative medicine prior to you? Yes. So our appointments are, our initial consultations are at least an hour. I'm a talker, so it tends to be an hour and a half, but I really try to use that time from the initial consult to our follow-up visits are at least half an hour. So we get time to really sit down and talk about holistic medicine, my approach, and why I'm doing things that I'm doing. And it also gives us time to actually sit back and look at what their animals' problems are. We can go through blood work because unfortunately as a conventional vet, you typically don't have time to go through things with people and explain it to them. So. I find in my exam room, half the time I'm a teacher with going over the blood work, what are our differentials, this is what we're looking at, this is how I want to approach it, this is why. And oftentimes, you know, I'll get people who come in and they say, I came to see you because I want a holistic approach because that's how I lead my life. And some people say, I don't know what voodoo you do here, but I don't know what else to do. And then they start to see how their animal's feeling better. And then they get more curious for themselves, right? And so then I'm able to say to them, hey, here's some cards for some local acupuncturists. Um, I get a lot of people asking me about herbs for themselves. And so I'm, it's really nice to be able to open people's worlds in a way to other ways of taking care of themselves and even like even food. I mean, just talking about food in general, it's amazing how we just, we're not, we're not taught things in school. And unless you're looking for it outside of the box, you're not going to get it. So we talk about it in the room. I've been working now that we are, you know, we're creating space by everybody staying home for a little bit. I'm working on a blog and I've always wanted to make little webinars for owners just to be able to get basic ideas of what is holistic medicine um, and, and how can I support my pet through gentle ways? How can I support myself? I'm, I'm also an herbalist. I'm a certified herbalist for humans, not that I practice. But again, it's this thing of how else can we support ourselves as well as our pets? Because we know that connection is huge. And sometimes I'll say to people, don't bring your cat or dog to me next week. You go for acupuncture. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like you have to take care of yourself yeah. because if you're not, there how are you going to take care of them? So well, I think that's huge. Beautiful. And it's beautiful in essence, you know, the the health of the family unit reflects mm -hmm. the health of the individuals. Exactly. And so often so many of our blessed clients 
are so focused on taking care of their dogs or cats that they oftentimes are incredibly neglectful to themselves and what they need to be um, healthy and same thing in a state of overflow to be mm -hmm. uh, best prepared emotionally, physical, spiritually to be able to care for those around them. Mm -hmm. And so by you nurturing the entire family unit, you're, you're of course, nurturing the dogs and cats in that family, but that's, that's exactly. a fantastic approach. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And would you say that, that the, that you have veterinarians that are, I have found maybe the younger generation, more open, more inquisitive, more phone calls. Hey, what are you doing and why? Would you say that you have younger conventional vets in your area showing quite a bit of interest in what you're doing? It's interesting. So I always thought that it would have been more the younger, the younger crowd, let's call them. <laughs> but it's, it's totally mixed for me, which I've found really interesting. Um, there's some new vets who have been out for like three years and they're like, I don't know what it is that you're doing. And then I'll have students in vet school coming and seeing practice with me, fascinated and loving it to my old boss who's in his seventies thinking about taking the acupuncture course. So it's, it's really interesting. It's, so cool. it's very mixed. Yeah. I think part of that can be a state of mind in that if you are just as you were kind of an inquisitive perpetual learner, I am as well. If I hear something, even if I'm uh, initially critical of, I don't know about that. I still want to investigate it to find mm -hmm. out if it's something that resonates with me or if there's any validity to it. I think part of it is a state of mind. And I also have had much older, older, older generation, like probably past retirement age men primarily that are still practicing, but there's that seed of inquisitiveness where they're like, Hey, what are you doing? I want to mm -hmm. learn. About so I think part of it is a, is a personality or mindset towards learning new things because absolutely none of us got exposure to what I call common sense medicine or uh, non-toxic medicine. Or <laughs> totally. medicine. We didn't get any exposure in vet school. So if there wasn't any ex early, early careerhood exposure, oftentimes there's this immediate defensiveness as to what are you doing? It's weird. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's scary, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's scary. It's weird. It works. And I didn't learn about it in vet school. So that can't be a possible thing that we do. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, it is exciting, and that's part of my desire in this Awareness Week, is to, to help clients that maybe haven't heard about some of these modalities recognize, okay, there's a variety of doctors participating in healing in other ways that we've learned about post-veterinary school, and not only is that okay, it's refreshing and oftentimes mm -hmm. ultimately life-saving, because what we learned in vet school is fantastic uh, for critical care, urgent care, medicine, infectious diseases. Fantastic. When it comes to lifestyle diseases or actually helping patients live longer, healthier lives, we didn't, I didn't have a, cl a class in that. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, so it's, it's inspiring to see other people's courses and how they are affecting positively the relationships wherever they're at. So you're doing a fantastic job. No, oh, thanks. Community. Alexia, if you could give uh, one departing thought or tidbit of wisdom or idea or concept to both veterinarians worldwide as well as to pet parents, what would you what would you encourage them to think about? I this probably goes for both, but in talking about my realizing how I had to fill my cup to be able to be a good doctor and a good mother. I think it goes for pet parents as well as other veterinarians. For veterinarians, I would love to see continuing education that incorporates 
personal growth and self-care, not as a separate course after a, a conference, but you have to go, right? Like you go and you learn about, I don't know, neurology. And then the next one, we're going to talk about setting boundaries. And then you can go back to neurology. But I think as a community, we need to learn how to take care of ourselves and really learn how to almost practice what we preach about taking care of ourselves so we can take care of our pets, take care of our patients. Um, and I think everybody, for medicine to continue to evolve, we all just have to be open and open to working together and creating the best medicine by doing it, it all. So I don't know. Does that Perfectly. Answer? Perfectly said, very inspiring, and I think spot on in that for us to be able to be uh, the best versions of ourselves, the highest, serving the highest good for those around us, we have to be able to simultaneously um, focus on our passion while also caring for ourselves, and, and that was beautifully said, and I couldn't agree more. So thank you so much. Thank for, you for, for having me. Inspiring words this morning and stay safe and healthy in New Jersey. Thank you. Thank for you, you too. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you.